How many are thankful for several that received the Holy Ghost this morning? We think that's the greatest message and the greatest news that we could hear. And uh, we're having a great time. Let's stand together. We're going to bring uh, Brother and Sister Oliver to this podium. And we're so thankful for their ministry. Are you thankful for people that are giving their lives for the gospel in these last days and preaching and touching lives? We've had a great time. These are wonderful people. We thank you for being here tonight. God is going to do something special. What happened today and the beautiful spirit, the folks that were touched, the people that received the Holy Ghost is still moving forward. We're going to be baptizing some folks here tonight. And that means that eternity is affected by what is happening right here. Boys and girls, this is your service to receive from the Lord. Let's give the Olivers a hand as they come. We welcome them in Jesus' name. God bless you, Brother Oliver. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Let's give him a great big hand clap of praise. caught up in the spirit of the Lord and I could clap and clap and clap and praise him all night long and I know you feel the same way and one of these days we're going to have that opportunity we talked about heaven this morning and it is real and it is going to happen for the people that love Jesus do you love Jesus tonight isn't he great isn't he wonderful? Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful church you have here. And what really makes it wonderful is Jesus is here. I tell you, we got to spend a little bit of time with the Frenches today, and they are great people, and we already know about Brother and Sister Cole. We've been here with you before, and they are great people. And I, I haven't talked to anybody here that is not a great person. It's just great to be in a great church with great people. I mean, I, I don't think it can get any greater other than when we're actually going to be with Jesus. And there's nothing better for you to be doing tonight than being here. You know, out in the world, they're looking for all kinds of things to fill a void. And I know this time of the year, there's a lot of different sports going on. There's a lot of different teams that are trying to be number one and trying not to lose, trying to win. But I want to tell you something. In life, there's going to be winners and losers. And you know what? The same thing can be said of your life. If you decide that you don't need to be at church, I'm going to tell you, that puts you on the losing side. It really does. But each and every time you come to church, you're a winner. 
And you know, I don't know what the need is in your life tonight, but I can tell you this. Jesus can fill that need. Whatever it is, if you have depression in your life, Jesus can give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you don't have to live with depression. Whatever it is, if you have a tummy ache tonight, Jesus can heal your tummy ache. Whatever it is, Jesus can heal and take care of. But this is what he's looking for more than anything is a heart that loves him and wants to get involved with him. Because you can come to church and just sit on a pew and warm that pew with your body heat and leave here just the same way you came in here. But if you get involved with Jesus, if you talk to him from your heart, that is the key, getting involved with Jesus. Because when you get involved with Jesus, something's going to happen. He's going to touch you. You're going to feel Jesus. And you know when you feel Jesus, you want to keep feeling Jesus. You want to keep feeling that great feeling that he gives you. And that great feeling will always be there as long as you talk to Jesus. If you've made up your mind already, I'm not going to talk to Jesus, he's not going to grab you by the shoulders and say, you're going to talk to me. Jesus is a gentleman. And he won't touch you unless you want to be touched. My desire is, is that each and every one of us humble ourselves tonight and say, Jesus, I need you. You know, I'm looking at some very talented people here. Very talented. And you know, you can do an awful lot of things all by yourself. But number one, Jesus gave you that ability. But he doesn't want you to have to rely on yourself. Because, you know, you can still do great things with your abilities, but it even becomes greater when you have Jesus behind you. He gives you power. He gives you authority. He gives you peace. He gives you joy. There are so many advantages to letting Jesus get involved in your life by you getting involved with Jesus. So with that said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk to Jesus. It's all about talking to Jesus and feeling Jesus. And when we do the four steps of worship, we do these every time we start a service. And here's the reason why. We want you to create an atmosphere for yourself so that you can feel Jesus. I don't want to get up here and, and do anything where I don't feel Jesus. I want Jesus totally behind me because if Mike Oliver gets up here and tries to do something without Jesus, I'm going to fail. I'm going to say words that are going to be offensive. I'm going to do things that I shouldn't do because if I don't have Jesus, I'm living in my flesh. And this flesh is not going to get to heaven. I need Jesus.
I need Jesus every day. So let's do these four steps of worship to create an atmosphere so that you can feel Jesus. Now, before we go any further, let me do something. How many of you on this front row are a little bit squished? Are you a little squished? Okay, good. Because it looks squishy to me. Okay. Can I ask you and you and you and you, can I have you stand up for just a minute? Do you mind sitting beside this young guy over here? Is that okay? And that way it won't be so squishy. Can you go on over there? Is that okay? Can you go over there? Can you go over there? Do you want to go with the other boys? Yeah, and look at that. We got a row of girls that aren't squishy now. All right. I just want you to be comfortable because Sister Oliver is going to tell you part two of this story. Okay, great. What good kids. Let's do these four steps of worship. Each and every one of us need to touch Jesus tonight. And each and every one of us need Jesus' touch. So let's do these four steps of worship for Jesus and for yourself. The very first step is so easy, remember? It's just to close your eyes for Jesus and really think about Jesus. Don't think about what you're going to have for dinner tonight after you leave here. Don't think about what you're going to do tomorrow. Don't think about the person that's beside you. Keep your eyes closed and think about Jesus. Jesus gave his all for you when he died on the cross. And he really asked so very little from us. He doesn't want us to be crucified on a cross, but he wants us to just think about him with all of our heart and with all of our minds. So tonight, I want you to think about Jesus in a little bit different way than we did this morning. This morning, we thought about Jesus on the cross. But I want you to know Jesus is right here, right now. And he's looking at you with your eyes closed. And I want you to picture Jesus standing right in front of you, looking at you to see if you're really going to do these four steps of worship. If you have your eyes closed, Jesus is very pleased. He's just waiting to see if you're going to do the second step. And what that is, is you lift your face towards heaven. The direction Jesus wants you to go. And if you have your eyes closed now and your face lifted, Jesus is so happy with you. He's saying they really do love me. They really do want to go to heaven. And I will touch them if they let me touch them. But he's just waiting for us to finish these four steps to give him permission to touch us so that we can feel his presence. So the next step that we're going to do is to raise both of your hands for Jesus towards heaven, the place we want to live throughout all eternity. And Jesus even has a smile on his face right now because he's saying they have their eyes closed. They have their face lifted. They have their hands raised to heaven. Oh, and Jesus is just anticipating this next step. 
He just wants to be thrilled with you tonight. He wants to hear you talk to him. He wants you to use a loud voice right now and talk to Jesus and tell him how much you love him. Let's make Jesus really happy right now. Let's talk to Jesus with a really, really loud voice. Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I praise your name. I worship you, Lord, with all my heart. I thank you, Jesus, that you have saved me. I thank you, Lord, that you have delivered me. I thank you, Jesus, that you have brought me out, Lord. Oh, you are holy. You are wonderful. There is no one like you, Jesus. And we are here, Lord, to feel you. We are here, Lord, to touch your heart tonight, Lord, as you touch us. Oh, we love you so much. Bless your children tonight, Lord, as they praise and worship you. Bless each and every person here tonight, Lord. And give them, Lord, what they want, Lord. See the needs in their life, Jesus. Oh, we love you so much. We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you take a moment and just tell Jesus how much you love him? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's love him for a moment. I love you, Jesus. You're so good to me, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. You're so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. What a sweet presence of the Lord has swept in this place. If we could ever see what goes on in the spirit realm, we wouldn't be able to stand it. The angels that have lined this building all across this altar, ministering angels, we only see in the flesh and we tend to think in the flesh. There's so much more going on that we cannot see. Jesus is here and he's going to touch us tonight. Every man, woman, and child. No man comes unless he draws them. He begins to talk to you tonight. You feel his touch. Don't resist it. Because that's Jesus drawing on you. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn to the book of Luke. Will you stand for the reading of the word? Thank you again. Brother French, Brother Ryan French, for inviting us, for being so kind to us. We have enjoyed it. It's just gone by too quickly. Usually we get to be with folks from a Friday through a Sunday and and get to know each other a little better. I'm glad it was not our first time to just pop in on a Sunday. A lot of you we already know, and we love you. We love this church, and we're so thankful that one day there'll be no more goodbyes. We want to visit. We'll be able to visit as long as we want to visit. All eternity will lay before us with all the time in the world. I'm going to be so thankful for that. Luke chapter 4. I'm sorry. Let's start with Luke 4 and verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the mission of the church. This lets us know that there are people who are captive, captive in a life of sin. They're bound by Satan's chains of sin. There are people who are bruised, who are brokenhearted. In this world in which we live, there are people in trauma units. They are emotionally hooked up to an IV emotionally, battered and bruised. The church has the answer. The world knows how to put a Band-Aid on folks, emotionally a Band-Aid, but they can't fix them. They can't fix them. Don't ever think that man has gotten so wise with so much knowledge that he can do what Jesus can do. Because he cannot. It's a trick of the enemy to make us believe that. We still have the answer. It's all in the word. And in this altar. And Jesus comes into a life. And he can answer all of the problems. All of the questions. All of the hurts. He can. And he will. But mankind only knows how. To put a small Band-Aid on it, and it shows back up again. You know, drug abuse is at an all-time high. People trying to get their mind off of their problems. And do you know people go through rehab? Had a nephew, went through rehab three times. And finally, this past year, just in the month of October, I got the call that he was found with a fifth of vodka in his stomach with powder cut and straws laying in front of him, foam coming out of his mouth, and with heroin shot into his veins all at one time. He'd gone through rehab three times. The coroner said to me, I was his next of kin, Miss Oliver, only 17% of people that ever go through any kind of rehab ever come clean. They just don't. The world can't fix the bruises and the broken places. Only Jesus can. Luke 22 and verse 31 now tells it like it is. One short little verse that sums up Satan's desire in this world. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Every one of us in this building, Satan, you can put your name in there. Satan hath desired To have you. Every one of these children, the the old devil wants you. He wants to destroy you. Every young person in this building, he wants to destroy you. But we have a blessed hope. 
Hallelujah. We have a blessed hope tonight. And I'm going to speak to you part two. Don't worry if you weren't here for part one, I'll catch you up. Part two of this message tonight that is simply called this. Get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. Get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them that while you're being seated. Just get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. I told you this morning, part one of my story, how my daddy spent a day with his youngest daughter at an amusement park and how I learned the lesson very quickly that you can't just go get in line and get on a ride, that you must have a ticket. That was the name of the message this morning, wasn't it? You must have a ticket. You're not going to heaven except you be born of water and of spirit. You must be born again. We know that that is in the book of Acts, the teaching on salvation, how to be saved. You must repent of your sins. And repentance doesn't mean saying, I'm sorry, Jesus, and then doing it again. We have taught people a lot of times, just say you're sorry. Jesus will forgive you. Well, this is truth. He will. And he'll forget about it. But the Bible tells us when we go back out and sin again, it's like hanging him on the cross all over again. I don't want to continually hang Jesus back on that cross, putting him to an open shame because I won't turn away from sin. Real repentance means turning away from sin. You do not have a ticket for heaven if you haven't turned away from sin. That means when you repent, you don't go and do those things over and over. And if you mess up, you quickly repent again. And ask Jesus to forgive you. The Bible says you must be baptized. Then it tells you how. In the name of Jesus Christ. Down under the water and back up in the name of Jesus Christ. No one was ever baptized in the Bible any other way. So if you believe the Bible is the word of God, then you must be born of water and spirit. Water means baptism in Jesus' name. The pastor will say in Jesus' name and dunk you under the water. Very often kids say, I'm scared. I don't want to do that. You know who is telling you to be afraid? The devil. He, I, I read it to you in the Bible. He wants to sift you like wheat. That means he wants to cream you. He wants to kill you before you're ready for heaven or when you're not ready for heaven. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And very often children will decide, I'm going to conquer my fear. I'm going to get up there in front of everybody and I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to do it. And I have seen parents say, no, you're not ready yet. You need to wait a while. 
Now, I don't want to tread on any toes tonight, but I do want to tell you what the Lord has spoken to me about this. An awful lot of things that I did growing up, I did them out of obedience to the Word of God. I didn't fully understand, but I did it because I was taught what the Bible said to do. And I went and I did it. And I did it out of obedience. And then many years later, I began to understand all of the reasons why. Because the Holy Ghost leads us and guides us into all truth. I was 17 years old before I really understood one God. I'd been baptized. I had the Holy Ghost. Still didn't quite get it. can be a little confusing, you know. I was in Apostolic Bible Institute sitting in Brother S.G. Norris's class on the mighty God in Christ. He passed out that little pamphlet, those of you that are familiar with that, and began to teach on the mighty God in Christ. And I'm telling you, the revelation of the oneness hit me in that classroom. I got down on the floor under the bench. The kids looking at me. And there were a few others that slipped out of their seats. When class was over, it was lunchtime. And we skipped lunch. And I laid under that pew on my face, giving birth to a revelation. And I never looked back. I understood fully that the anointing came in that day. Something supernatural happened. We have stopped teaching people that they need a revelation of the oneness of who he is. You don't have a ticket if you're not identified with Christ. You don't know who he is. There's only one God. Jesus is his name. He said there won't be any other gods before him. There's only one. And Jesus is his name. Hallelujah. And you must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because you can't fly. You get on top of this building and flap your arms. And say, I am Superman, watch me. You're going to go splat on the pavement. It will not be pretty. Because you can't fly and neither can I. And what's going to take you up when Jesus comes is the Holy Ghost living inside of you. You talk about a magnet. That magnet's going to just suck you right through the clouds to Jesus Christ when he comes back. You're not going up without it. You must be born of water and of spirit. You got to have a ticket. I couldn't ride that ride with my daddy without a ticket. And my daddy bought me the ticket. Jesus bought you your ticket. He paid for your ticket with his blood on the cross. He gave his all. After my dad and I got our tickets... Of course, I was so excited to run and get in line for the Ferris wheel. I just wanted to ride that more than anything. It was so big and it went high up in the sky. At night it had lights on it. It went around really fast. The wind would hit you in the face. I heard all the kids on there laughing and sometimes people were screaming. I wanted to scream. It's funny how human nature is. We will pay lots of money to get in line for two and a half hours in the hot sun to get on some kind of device that they strap us in, turn us upside down 
around and around. Jerk your head nearly off your body. Screaming for mercy. You are never closer to God than when you're on a roller coaster. Because that's real repentance right there. As you're going up that big hill, Jesus, if there's anything in my heart, you really feel like you're not going to make it. So you really, you really, you know it's the truth. There are grown men that scream for their mamas on those things. I've heard them. And we'll, we'll do that to ourselves for three minutes and get off and say, wow, that was fun. Let's do it again. Something really wrong with that picture. I couldn't wait. I'd never ridden a Ferris wheel before. It was just me and my dad, my best friend, my daddy. I couldn't believe it. We're in line, and the line is taking so long, and, and there's nothing to do, and, and I'm swinging on the handrails, and I keep running around. My dad keeps calling me back, and, and finally my dad taught me something. When you're standing in line, you can count the people in line in front of you, and you can count the cars, and you can figure out when your turn is going to be. I was figuring out my turn only three more times. I said, Dad, I want to get in the red car. Well, we'll have to get in the one that we get. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm just so excited. I mean, my heart's beating really fast. This is the best day of my life. Me and my dad are going to ride that Ferris wheel. The line is finally moving. It's hot at the amusement park. I'm thirsty, but I don't dare say anything because I don't get out of line. We finally get up to where we're going to be next. My little heart was beating out of my chest. I was so excited. I had my daddy's hand, and, and my dad said, now watch when, when it's our turn. You, you step up there on the, on the mat, on the, on the rug, and then that seat comes around behind you, and I'll have to help you. I, I was only, only about five years old. I'll have to help you. It'll, it'll be high, and I'll lift you up there. And, and so pay attention to what you're doing. It was our turn. That big red car came around behind us. I was grinning like a possum. My daddy lifted me up into that seat. And the man standing there clamped a big bar down in front of us. And it it made a clanking sound. And he locked us in. Why? Because he didn't want us to fall out. Get hurt. You wonder why your pastor tells you things you need to do to be saved? That's your your safety bar. We don't live like the world. We don't go where they go. We don't dress like they dress. We don't talk like they talk. That's your safety bar. Make sure you don't fall out. I remember I I had my little hands on that bar and I was leaning over and I was trying to rock that car back and forth. My dad said, sit back. Sit back here and be still. And he put his big, strong arm around me and put his hand over top of my little hand on that bar. He said, now you sit still. It'll rock enough on its own. And when that Ferris wheel took off, oh, I remember the feeling You know when your stomach starts to come up in your mouth? Oh, it feels so great. And then when you're coming back down the other side and your stomach goes back down where it belongs, 
And that, that breeze hits you in the face. And I remember just letting out a big scream. And I remember so clearly looking over at my daddy. And he was laughing right out loud. My dad hardly ever laughed. He had to work so many hours and trying to provide for a family. But on this special day, it was just me and my dad having fun. He was just laughing. And I was just screaming. And we were going around and around. And it seemed like it was getting faster. I don't think it was, but it seemed like it. And it was just such a joyous time. You just think it couldn't get any better than that moment. But you know, there's some poor people that can't ride right. There's some of you sitting among us. But you just can't do it. Some of you found out that you can't do it when you were on there one time. Uh huh. And then you never did it again. Some people, their equilibrium just won't take it, they get dizzy. I get sick. I've never had a problem with that. I, I, I didn't know about anybody having that problem. I'm just five years old. I mean, we're flying through the air having fun. And, and I heard a noise. You, you don't want to hear the clanking of bolts. The screeching of chains. That's your biggest fear when you're on a ride. That clanking. That jerking. The, the chain breaks. You, you, you don't want to hear that. I, I, I heard a terrible noise. My dad heard the same noise. It wasn't bolts and chains. It was a noise that's just about as bad. I'm going to try to be really gentle tonight. But there was someone on that ride that was finding out they could not ride rides. A little girl with her mommy. She'd never been on a ride before. It was her wonderful day. And they're flying through the air after they had eaten chili dogs. Think of balloons and happy thoughts for a moment. Because the noise I heard should never be heard out in public. Because that little girl found out she cannot ride rides. She was positioned directly above my daddy and I. And as we're flying through the air, an unknown substance lands in my pigtails down the front of my little white T-shirt. And I remember quite well all over my dad's hairy arm. And now I'm really screaming. I am screaming and screaming and screaming. I cannot be soothed. We are flying through the air with somebody else's yuck all over us. You talk about a day being ruined. I am screaming so much my dad finally says, stop screaming. It won't help a thing. We are still flying through the air and I'm ever so thankful that my dad won a battle that he had with my mom. My dad carried a handkerchief. He carried a big red bandana. And my mom and dad would fight over the red bandana because my mom would say, Elwood, 
You can't carry that red bandana to church. She would starch and iron a nice white plain handkerchief. And daddy would carry it when he went to church. But during the week, dad had his big red bandana. I mean, it was twice as big as this. Thank the Lord he had it. He took that red bandana out of his back pocket. He began to wipe that stuff off my face and off my little white T-shirt. And and he was wiping it off his arm and and wadding it up. and, And we're flying through the air. I mean, it's just disgusting. It's 100 degrees outside. And I'm just weeping now. I'm just sobbing and crying. And the ride begins to slow down. And they're letting people off of the ride. And my dad says to me, see, we're going to get off of here. Everything's going to be all right. No more crying. We'll get all cleaned up. Everything will be okay. The ride is stopping and letting people off. See, we're going to be next. Everybody's off the ride. We watched that mama take that little girl walk off into the blue yonder. I bet she never rode again. (laughs) And it's our turn. When our car came to the mats where we should be getting off, it took off again and went up two or three times, not quite to the top, and stopped. The man that was running the ride, who looked like he hated children, took his keys out of his pocket and locked the ride and walked away. Now my dad's screaming. Help! Help! Come back here! You left us up here! He told me not to scream. I didn't know what to think. But what I noticed was it was another whole world down there. There was so much noise, so much laughter, so much partying going on. Step right up here and win your, your free, your, your big stuffed panther for three balls for a dollar. Hot dogs, popcorn. They were having a party down there. They didn't see us up there on the top of the Ferris wheel with somebody else's yuck on us. Now, I know this may be a little difficult at this point, but would you start to let your mind think a little bit and apply it spiritually? The world is having a big time party. And there are people that walk in these doors And they're stuck at the top of the devil's Ferris wheel with somebody else's mess on them. They've been rejected. They've been abused. They've been hurt. They've been battered. They've been molested. Somebody said, I love you forever and had an affair. And they walk in our doors and they sit on our pews with somebody else's yuck on them my daddy and I sat up there everything had been so wonderful sort of like the day you get the Holy Ghost it's the best day of your life you walk to that altar and Jesus cleans out your heart and you feel so wonderful 
And then when you go to the waters of baptism and you come out of that water, there is just no feeling like it. How clean you feel. And you feel like you finally belong because you've been engrafted into the body. You took on his name. You finally have a family. No matter what your earthly family's like, now you got a family. And then you lift your hands and Jesus moves into your heart and you speak words in another language. It just doesn't get any better. My daddy and I were having such a wonderful time, laughing. I just thought it couldn't get any better. And all of a sudden, there is the reminder that everything isn't always great in life. There are people who said among us that, oh, yes, we're, quote, saved. We're ready to go to heaven. But we're still on mind-altering drugs. We still think we need a psychiatrist. We're still all messed up. Because you've been hurt. Because you've been bruised. Because you've been battered. And there's only one answer for that. The Holy Ghost doesn't just erase all that. You got to get off the devil's Ferris wheel. You got to make your way to an altar and put your hands in the air and say, Lord, I don't want to live with this trash in my spirit, with somebody else's stuff on me. I forgive my daddy for what he did to me. I forgive my ex-wife, my ex-husband. I forgive my stepmama. I forgive the neighbor. I forgive my uncle. I forgive. You got to get that stuff prayed out. Of your spirit. You got to face it. I forgive. Them for what they did to me. The second part of the equation is. I forgive myself. Because things happen to us in life. And the first thing that happens. Because the devil wants to sift you as wheat. He says it was your fault. It's all your fault. He tells children. When their parents fight and get a divorce, he tells children it's their fault. You listen to me. Your mom and daddy fight. It's never your fault. When mamas and daddies separate, when they divorce, it's never the kid's fault ever. That's a lie from the devil. It's never your fault. It's time to get in an altar and lift our hands and say, you know what? I forgive myself. Jesus forgave me. And I forgive myself for the sin I committed, for the mistakes I made, and for the things the devil has blamed me of. And thirdly, this one's real hard because none of us want to admit this part. Thirdly is forgiving Jesus. I don't, I don't hold anything against Jesus now. I'm, I'm serving Jesus. Me and Jesus are okay. Jesus has never done anything but nice things for me. I mean, I, that's the way I felt. You're looking at a woman who was abused in every way. So I know what I'm talking about. Oh, I had forgiven mine abuser. I had forgiven myself. I mean, I, I'd done all of that. I'd brought it to the Lord over and over till it was gone. 
But someone mentioned, thirdly, forgiving Jesus. So I got over in the corner. I thought, I'll just try it out. I was checking my spirit. We need to check our spirit from time to time. I was just checking my spirit. Lord, is there anything in me? Is there something I haven't forgiven? Something I haven't let go of? No, I felt, I felt clear. Everything was okay. Lord, I, I've forgiven myself. I understood that some of the things that the devil blamed me for, they weren't my fault. I was a victim. Other things, I made mistakes. I forgive myself for the mistakes I made. I felt clear. So I thought I'd try the third one out, Sister Cole. I was down on my face and I said, now God, there's, there's nothing between you and me. You know, I'm, I'm called by you to minister and we got it going on, I pray. And I feel good about you, Jesus. I just want you to feel good about me. And I'm just mumbling stuff to the Lord that makes no sense. Why? Because I was covering. You, have, you find it hard to pray? Maybe because you're covering junk. I was just mumbling And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Brother French, all of a sudden I said, all right, Jesus, where in the world were you? Why did you let that happen to me? It came out of nowhere. I didn't know it was there. And all of a sudden, it was like a glorious spotlight came on. And I saw so clearly that God gave man free choice. And the beauty of that is that you and I can serve him and love him and walk with him. But the underside of that is we can also decide to be a wretched sinner and to hurt other people. And God has nothing to do with it. And I saw the face of my Savior weeping while I was weeping. While I was being abused, he was crying. I saw it clearly. Don't you ever think for a minute that he had anything to do with the yuck that somebody else put on you. My dad and I sat there for a little while and every time someone even got close, my dad yelled, And no one heard. No one heard our cries. My daddy said, listen to me, baby. I'm going to get you down from here. Oh, yes, I am. How are we going to get down, daddy? I talked to family years later when the Lord gave me this message. I verified my story. And they said we were up there at least 30 to 45 minutes. And finally my daddy said, you listen to me. Why don't you come and play for me? Just come along. I'm going to scoot all the way to the end of this seat. Now, you know, the seat is going to move a little bit. But I'm going to scoot all the way to the end. I I just want you to hold on. And I'm going to stand up in this seat. I'm going to throw my leg over this car on that kind of like a ladder that goes all the way to the ground. It was just a brace that held up that Ferris wheel. I'm I'm, I'm going to swing over onto that and I'm I'm going to hold on real tight. What I want you to do is I want you to scoot all the way to the end of this seat. 
and you're going to hold on real tight and you're going you're gonna to stand up. Oh, oh, Daddy, I can't. I, I can't do that, Dad. Listen, don't, don't talk. Just, just listen. Trust me. Just trust me. You're going to throw your arms around my neck. Now, baby, I want you to bunch up my shirt in your little hands. Hold on as tight as you can. And you're going to throw your little legs around my waist. And I want you to do exactly what I'm telling you. I want you to lay your little head right in daddy's chest. Just bury your face right there and close your eyes. And all you have to do is hold on. Because I'm going to climb down. I'm going to get you down from here. Somebody needs to trust a Savior. You haven't trusted Him really so far. Because you've never been able to trust anybody. Everybody's let you down. He's not like everybody else. I remember whimpering. But I didn't dare cry out. I watched my daddy swing over the side of that Ferris wheel and hang on with all of his might. I did exactly what he told me. I swung over that side and grabbed a hold of my daddy. I buried my face in his chest and I could hear his heart beating real hard. His heavy breathing as he climbed. One car from the top down that Ferris wheel. When his feet hit the ground, he held me and we both cried like babies. He was just as scared as I was. We dried our tears. My daddy said, now listen to me, baby. I'm going to take you over there to the the little booth where they sell souvenirs. Oh, they never let me go over there. We're going to get a little shirt. You can pick out any one you want. I, I picked out a pink Minnie Mouse. And you're going to go in that restroom right there. And I want you to clean up. Clean off your face and wash out your hair a little bit. And wash your hands real good. Then go in the bathroom there and shut the door and change your shirt. What do I do with this shirt, Daddy? Just throw it away. But Mama, don't worry about it. Just throw it away. Put on your new shirt. Okay, Daddy. I did it and my dad went in the restroom and cleaned up as well and we met back outside. I mean, I was just a little bitty girl and I remember so well feeling a little scared, but I, I did it. Sort of like when you're a little bit scared to go to the waters of baptism and be washed. Where you come out with a new garment. Old things are passed away. Jesus throws away your old garment with all that yuck on it. He gives you a new garment. 
walked out and daddy said, come on, baby. Well, I snapped right into being a kid again. Daddy, what are we doing? Where are we going? When they started up, can we ride it again? The beauty of a child. And my dad wasn't talking. He took me by the hand and he said, come with me, honey. But dad, we don't have to let it ruin our day, right? We can just start all over, right, daddy? We don't have, we don't have to leave now, right? He was walking to the exit. I remember I was trying not to cry. The day was ruined. Somebody else's yuck had ruined our day. Some people, it's ruined your life. You just feel hopeless. Daddy walked me right to the exit. I remember looking up at him. Daddy, we have to go home. I could see the car. And my dad, in his wisdom, took a little girl by the shoulders and turned me around. He said, baby, we're starting all over. We're just going to start this day all over. We're going to pretend it never happened. We're just going to begin again. That's what Jesus does. He came to heal the broken and hearted. To set in liberty them that are bruised. He wants to make it as if it never happened. That day was glorious. Just me and my dad. Get off of the devil's Ferris wheel. This obviously is not just for the children tonight. But I'm looking into the faces of people that know how to fake it. The world has a saying, fake it till you make it. Oh, and we're the best at it. Because we come all dressed up to church. And we sit on a pew. And we go through the motions with unforgiveness in our heart. With somebody's baggage. You know, if you don't forgive, it opens your spirit up. Wide open to those spirits. You'll become what you don't forgive. You'll do to others what was done to you. But we have a hope. I'm closing with this. A little boy sitting on the front row that couldn't sit still came to a crusade. There were over a hundred children. There were five or six hundred in the building. When I asked the children to sit with their back against the back of the seat, their legs hanging down and fold their hands, he shouted out loud at me, I can't do that. I have ADHD and all kinds of problems. And I forgot my medicine. I can't do that. 
Well, I don't know what you would do. But what I did, don't judge me. I said, in the name of Jesus, you will do it here. You will sit there and be quiet and listen here. You may not do it other places, but you will here. In the name of Jesus. And that little guy just sat up. He never moved through the message. He listened so good. When it came time to pray, I think he thought he wasn't allowed to get up ever. Because all the kids came to pray and someone came and got me. And there he said, I think he was seven. I think he was seven. Sitting on the end of the the seat, he had ridden one of the the buses and he had a little cowlick and his hair was dirty and his fingernails were, were black and he was in old dirty clothes and he didn't smell great and there he was sobbing his little heart out. I knelt down in front of him and I heard his prayer. Jesus, I don't want my mom to get a restraining order on my dad. I want to see my dad. You talk about putting your yuck on somebody. Seven years old. I don't want my mom and daddy to split up. I want to see my daddy. He wasn't praying for the Holy Ghost. That's why we need to stop and ask people how we can help them pray when they come to pray. I said, would you like for me to pray with you about your family? Yes, would you, would you pray for my mom that she don't get a restraining order on my dad? He was broken. We prayed together. I let him hear me pray. And then he looked up at me with big old tear-filled eyes. And he said, now, now can Jesus clean out my heart and I can do that Holy Ghost you said, you said about? I said, oh, yes, right now. He lifted his little face and did those four steps and began to weep. Asked Jesus to clean out his heart. In a matter of a few moments, he was speaking with other tongues. That little boy spoke so loud and so long that I put the microphone in his hand and he began to speak with tongues in the microphone and the whole church was hearing it. He began to intercede as soon as he received the Holy Ghost. He was in intercession for his family. When it was time to go, Everyone was standing. and I had all the people that had received the Holy Ghost come to the front. There were 18 of them. He was one of them. And he was standing on the very end. And I was letting them know that Jesus is going home with them. You're not going by yourself. Jesus is going home with you. People don't know what we know. And you can go in your room or when you're out playing or anywhere and you can talk to Jesus and you can talk in tongues the Holy Ghost will be right there the feeling that you have right now you can have that anywhere people think they can only do it right here and this was proof of that once again church filled with adults we were getting ready to dismiss 
that little boy that had just received the Holy Ghost, just received a deliverance, just received peace, shouted out, standing in the front row, you mean I can have this ever as much as I want? (laughs) And we laughed a little and then we cried. (laughs) And that church just broke up over a little boy. That said, you know what? I can get off the devil's Ferris wheel. I don't have to be what my parents are. I don't have to live like they live. I've got a hope. I can be different. I can pray for my family. We have the message. It's a matter of helping people apply it. Is there someone... You haven't forgiven? You know that comes off in layers. You don't just pray that prayer one time. You do it over and over again until it's gone. Have you forgiven yourself? Some of you wonder why you don't have joy. Because you're still on that Ferris wheel with somebody's yuck on you. There's no joy there. Forgive yourself. Say it out loud. Let the devil hear you say it. There's power in that. And Lord, I forgive you. Would you stand? This is a deliverance service. You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight if you do not have it and you want it. The water's ready and you may be baptized in Jesus' name tonight. And I would encourage you to do it. But this message is a deliverance deliverance message. And we ought to be coming already from all over this building. This is your time. We ought to be stepping out and you, you saying, you know what? I need to talk to God about some stuff. Would you come? We've all had to come. From time to time, I'm I'm going to join you. As they begin to sing, would you come? You may kneel or you may stand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, he's already moving. Yes, he loves you.